The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jalinch. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we'll respond to a listener question or comment. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, so please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Shout It From the Mountaintops. When we first get clean and sober, we may be tempted to broadcast our newfound life to everyone around us, to, quote, shout it from the mountaintop, so to speak. But as we persist on our recovery path, we learn that a quiet approach is often better. We learn to let our example be the message, rather than trying to promote our new way of living to others. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on living the principle of attraction rather than promotion in our lives. We'll begin by sharing our experiences of self-promotion, what that looked like. Then we'll move into the solution of living by example. And after the break, we'll share exactly how living by example helped us to move from that self-promotion to a quiet confidence. So, Dan... I always feel like we're busting each other. Tell me what self-promotion looks like for you. That's up, boy. I know. It's, it's embarrassing. How many ways can we say Tell over and over how self-centered <laughs> we uh, were and certainly are still capable of being? Well, self-promotion is one of them. Now, this one I'm going to dodge because, well, partially. Then I'll confess why it can only be partially. So I've always been a very quiet and shy person. So I am the last person that would stand up, you know, want to tell a room full of people, Hey, you know, here's what I'm doing. No way would I do that. But, uh, the truth of the matter is that even those of us who are quiet in that way, our self-promotion is internal, right? Self-promotion is just another way. If it gets out of balance, I mean, there's nothing wrong with sharing with the world, what it is that you're doing. You know, we are uh, on this 
show right now sharing our experience strength and hope we could just be sitting on the couch you know uh, watching television but we're choosing to step up in service and to uh, share our our message there's nothing wrong with sharing what you're doing but when that becomes my main motivation you know when when my whole intention is to you know I'm going to elbow myself to the front of the line which I will tell you, I would do inside my head. You wouldn't see it happening outside, but it's the very same thing. You know, it's the very same thing. So I would just say it's similar to self-centeredness. It's, you know, all of our, uh, all of my maladies, it seems like in a way can be traced back to um, either being or at least flourishing in an environment of being, you know, self-centered out of, fear. And as we always say, you know, I didn't know any other way. That's really the only way I knew how to do things. But I am so grateful that I have found another way. You know, I wouldn't have chosen this path and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But if you find yourself on the spiritual path of addiction, it is powerful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, relates back to that self-centered sort of worldview and approach to life that I certainly had, many of us suffer from, and coming from an ego place. Um, so I know when I got sober, you know, it was such a huge life change for me, sort of like if people get religion for the first time, you know, you want to tell everybody. And um, also, you know, I was changing my behavior so much and looking at behavior that I had previously done, I think there was a temptation to want to be like, oh, well, see, I'm an alcoholic. Now that explains everything. And now you guys will understand why I was like this. And, you know, just sort of wanting to spout it to the world, you know. And there's a certain, you know, excitement that comes with early sobriety, that pink cloud that we talked about. And and it is, you know, we found a new way of life. And it's suddenly things that weren't working are suddenly working. Suddenly, you know, we're not waking up hungover every day and things are maybe going more smoothly and there can be a real temptation to want to just, you know, bombard anyone that comes within our orbit with all of the, you know, all of the details of that, how our lives have changed and how we found this thing. And it's so amazing. And everyone should live like this. And if only people knew this way, you know, none of this would ever happen. And, so I think a lot of that is natural, you know, it's natural in early sobriety, but for me, it's, um, just checking if I'm really coming from an ego place, you know, just keeping checking that ego. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, that's one of those many things that, that we learn that I know I need to practice uh, on an ongoing basis. Oh yes. You know, we call it, of course, a spiritual practice because it is an ongoing practice. And that's, that's one thing I need to continually check is, you know, where, what's my motive? Where am I coming from on this? What's going on? What is, what is going on in me that is causing this reaction or this need or, or whatever it is that's, uh, I feel like I need to take it into the world. And that can of course be very difficult as we know, but you know, we have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to practice this in, in everything I do. And that's a great example of an, of an ongoing practice. So one way that self-promotion looked for me, and this I really had to kind of unpack this to, to get it because I was always so shy and was definitely not 
uh, a person would be jumping up overtly self-promoting what I was doing or saying everyone what I thought. But in my head, I know how everything worked. And I could tell you, if you ask me, I could tell you how everything worked. Uh, you know, I was too shy to speak up. But, you know, that kind of self-promotion was I was promoting my own point of view within my own mind to myself. You know, how much more you know, can I get any more? Can I get any more self in there than that? You know, that's that's a that's a fairly strong statement of self centeredness and again like we often say driven by a hundred forms of fear that's what's driving me to this behavior so it's not that you know it's never that i was a, a morally corrupt person or you know inherently broken or anything like that it's like this is the only way that i knew to be okay in the world uh, until i learned additional ways so you know, the, feeling safe by feeling like I understand how things work is a prime motivator for me. And so that that's a way uh, that self-promotion looked, even though it was all internal. I was both the promoter and the audience. <laughs> <laughs> that's rich. <laughs> You're just a one-man show over there, weren't that's you? That's <laughs> right. It's all about me. Yep, that's right. Well, for me, as you know, I'm kind of the opposite of you in that way. And, you know, I'm much more extroverted and um, it can be, you know, my expression of this self-promotion is much more external. I have that inherent need to look good. I want people to think I look good. I'm doing good. I'm competent. I know what I'm talking about. Um, and so, you know, I can remember in early sobriety, I think this is a common thing, feeling like I had it all figured it out. You know, I've, yeah. I've got a handle on this thing. Look at me. I can talk intelligently about it. Um, you know, and, and, and so it's, you know, this could have to do with how we share in meetings too, you know, and when I'm sharing, am I really sharing from a very genuine place with as little ego as possible or am I just sharing to sound good so that the other people in the group think that I'm you know I got this thing and I'm so sober and I'm so wonderful and I think it can be really challenging because there's a lot of that that you know I've experienced in the rooms um and so again just checking that ego over and over where am I coming from am I come you know we were talking about this before the show one of my goals in life is to always come from the most authentic place possible and that's an ongoing uh awareness that I need to have I need to constantly be checking myself am I self-promoting yeah, probably most of the time I am in some way self-promoting, you know, but but checking that. Am I self-promoting or why am I sharing this? Why am I speaking like this? Am I really trying to help someone? Am I trying to add something genuine and valuable or am I just trying to make myself look good? And I mean, I have to, I still have to work on that today. Yeah, I think that uh, from what you're saying, I realize we have some things in common, even though I'm an introvert and much of my uh, drama would tend to be internal. I have that same aspect that you described about wanting to appear competent. Like I know stuff. I have, I have skills and, and abilities and someone might say, Oh, you, you want everyone to think that you know how everything works. I'd be like, no, I want everyone to realize that I yeah. do know how everything works. This is a totally different goal. Now it's a self-centered thing. Like, like all of it. Um, one way that this showed up for me is that, um, and 
I'm not sure how to characterize it, so I'm just going to say this. Maybe this doesn't even fit in here. I don't know. Uh, it looked like I, I wanted to be heard by other people, but I was way too afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very common pattern for me uh, in the past. That's one of the ironies of um, getting sober. The, you know, you couldn't get me to talk before, and now you can't get me to shut up sometimes, <laughs> it seems like. And that, that file that under, give a minister a microphone, dot, dot, yeah, dot. And right. You better sit down because it's going to be a while. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to be able to share with the group or express what was going on internally in my world, but I just could not do it. I, it would, like, I would know exactly what I wanted to say, and I could not say the words. And I don't know what that's called, but that, you know, that kind of... Um, I was I was very aware of what's going on in me, so there's the self-centeredness piece, but really lacked the ability to share it. And then, you know, what I was afraid of is what would I get back? You know, what would happen if I did? Because I don't think I had the internal emotional supports to handle whatever feedback I might get, which might be unkind, you know, or it might not, it might be un unintentionally unkind you know we're very sensitive people in general those of us in addiction recovery in addition to being really smart and good looking (laughs) of course (laughs) i mean just compared to most others that's you know (laughs) yeah uh, it's really just you know i think it's that need for others to see me and see what i'm doing and see how wonderful i am and if i don't point it out to you you might not see it so i better make sure that you see how awesome i am and that you see what i'm doing you know that you see what i'm doing and and um i think you know some of that we'll be talking in the next segment but some of that just comes with emotional and spiritual maturity and growth as we continue on our recovery path time takes time it absolutely does well uh now that we know about this challenge of this flavor of self-centeredness that we're calling (laughs) self-promotion what is the solution well as always in unity and this is one of the things i love best about unity is that we know and affirm that truly all of life is governed by spiritual principles yes and our fifth unity principle tells us that it's not enough to live these truths I'm sorry, it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. So we can't yeah. just know them intellectually. We've got to live them in our lives. Yeah, get them out of just being ideas and put them into practice. So it means we've got to live them in every aspect of our lives. And rather than tell people what we are doing, we show it through living by example. And that is what we want to focus on today, living by example. But what does it look like to do that? You know, we might recognize and call that that we're practicing these principles in all our affairs we're living the truth that we know how can we do that it seems like a pretty tall order so michelle when you hear about that idea of living uh, we might call live the truth that we know or living by example what does that mean for you Oh, my goodness. Well, basically the opposite of what we were just talking about, right? (laughs) Instead of living outwardly wanting everyone to see what I'm doing and see how wonderful I am, uh, living by example would be minding my own business and not being in that self-promotion all the time and just, you know, doing what I'm doing because it's the right thing to do and not having to let everyone know how wonderful I am and what I'm doing. And so there's, you know, sort of 
it's like I, I like to say this over and over. I have enough to manage just taking care of myself and what's happening in my life on a daily basis without having to be out there, you know, telling everyone else what they should be doing. And so it's just that sort of, um, you know, let's call it humility. It's coming from a more humble place, uh, beginning to live out of humility more and less out of the ego. And um, I don't know about in your case, but in my case, this is an ongoing thing. I think always will be, you know, always checking that ego and trying to come back to a place of more humility and a sort of staying in my own lane and worrying about myself rather than worrying about what everyone else is doing, you know. There's always that trap. It's, 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 I'm going to call it funny because it's better than thinking of it as sad or pathetic. It's funny <laughs> how no matter what the the task is or the or the principle or the goal, it's always possible for me to circle back around and make it into a self-centered thing like I wonder if everyone's going to notice how humble I am now <laughs> yeah, exactly. compared to how I was before. Know. You know, you, you know what I'm talking Idiot. about, don't you? You know what I'm talking Idiot. about. Um and so that in that I mean truly that just goes to show, I think, at least for me, that uh, I, I need to develop the habit of being mindful of what is going on, what are my motives, what's happening within me um, as I, you know, say something or or step out into the world. What is it that I'm trying to do? Is this a self-centered goal? Am I trying to feel better about something internally, and I think this is going to do it, or what? Um, yes. So living by example, or I, or I, I realize that phrase, walk the talk, is yeah. kind of like that. And one, one way that that looks for me is, is not trying to fix other people or what they're doing. Because if you think about it, uh, if I'm motivated to understand how things work, then I am very aware of whether you understand how things work or not. <laughs> And so it it can become very easy for me to slip into uh, fixing kinds of codependent behavior yes. because, uh, you know, you need help. I can see that I understand how this works and it doesn't seem like you understand how it works and you must, of course, value it as much as I do. So let me help you by telling you how things work, even though, here we back to the phrase, did you ask? No, you didn't ask. <laughs> But, you know, sometimes people need help and they don't even know it. So I'm going to help them even before they ask. No, right. I, I I need to be very mindful of that because what's important to me and my way of seeing the world is not your way of seeing the world. Just because I think it's important to understand how something works. And then I think, this is all inside me, I think that you don't know. And then I think I got to help you know. That's, yep. you know, how much, again, how much, how many more me's? And eyes can I put in there? That that is a completely uh, self-centered, self-serving yeah. way of seeing. So living by example or walking the talk means I need to stop trying to project my inner reality onto other people, <laughs> also known as fixing them. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we can fix silently. Uh, that's also called what do we call it? Taking others' inventory, you know, yes. or just being generally judgmental. I'm. I'm 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 fixing you by making a list of all the things that you need to improve, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Even yes. though I might not be walking up to you saying, you know, do you need help fixing this about yourself? No. And then 
and I've said before, you know, and I learned from Reverend Lonnie, did they ask? Did they ask? Yeah. And I, I circle back to that question as, as often as I can. Yeah, again, it's that good old ego that, you know, it's just, it's, I don't like to set it up as a battle of us against our ego because, I, yeah, I don't like to kind of create that model, but it is something that, you know, drives us as humans and that we need to keep in check. It's a matter of keeping it in its place. And I think this is especially important as we start moving through the 12 steps, really coming from, you know, as humble of a place as is possible in early sobriety. <laughs> because I think coming from that ego place can really flavor the way we move through the 12 steps. Let me just give an example. You know, when we get to those amends steps, um, that this self-promotion kind of thing could come out. It could be really easy to go and make a big show of making amends to people. Whereas living by example would be, you know, I'm going to not, I'm just going to not behave that way anymore and let my actions speak for themselves. Um, and so, you know, sometimes an actual amends to the person is appropriate, but a lot of times it's not. And again, it's checking that ego. Where is my, you know, where is my motivation here? Am I wanting to relieve myself of feelings of guilt? Am I wanting to make myself look like a hero because I'm going to make this dramatic amends? In that case, it might be better for me to just live by example. You know, I had a wonderful sponsor that always told me, make a living amends. Make a living amends. Don't go and dredge it all up and burden that person with what you did to them that they maybe have completely forgotten, and now you're going to bring it all back up. Just don't behave that way with the people that are in your life now. That's yes. a living amends. And yeah. you can really see where one is coming from a very ego-based place, and one is coming from a much more humble place. And so that living by example, you know, it's much less showy. It's much less dramatic. You have to just do the right thing because it's the right thing and trust that people will see that. Now, for me, as an ego-based person, as a three on the Enneagram, that's against my nature. I want everyone to see, like you said, how humble and wonderful I am and sober <laughs> and, you know, contrite and all of these things. And and so um, this living by example, it's very powerful and I think it's very challenging very challenging you know I always want people to see you know the wonderfulness that is me and um, just being willing to let our lives speak for themselves and be willing to believe that people will see who and what we are with time and we don't need to be broadcasting it on a billboard to them for them to get it but it's much more subtle you know I, I'm all about the drama I don't know about you but <laughs> subtle is not my um, strong point so this is against my nature and I have to keep remembering it yeah one thing that is coming to mind as we talk about this and and this is a real upside to uh, walking the talk or living by example or I love what you're saying about living amends because that's exactly it uh, a we need uh, the assistance of someone who's been down this road before. It's very smart to get uh, in the program. It would be, a, we call it a sponsor. In general, a, a trusted advisor yeah. is the role of, you know, and here's what I'm thinking. And then that person can help us determine, or maybe there's something we need, we haven't looked at. And, 
you know, did you consider uh, this might be one of those living amends things? I think it might be. Why don't you think about that for a few yeah. days and we'll talk again and really helping us save ourselves from ourselves, and <laughs> yeah, save, exactly. you know, saving a lot of grief. Um, but it, I noticed that when I can do this, it is so much easier. Mm-hmm. It is so much easier yeah. than all of those gyrations and what about this and I should go apologize to this person for that da 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 and maybe this and that or do nothing which means just like you said stop acting like that stop doing it in the world just stop doing it that is so much it takes so I mean it might take a lot of effort to achieve that yes. stopping the behavior but it's just so much easier I mean all of this you could see a you know a flow chart on the wall well first I'll do this and if that happens then I'll go over to this box and then I got to check this and I'll go or just erase the whole thing and stop doing that yeah oh wow that's so much easier so when I have been able to just let go of all that complexity and you know sort of making a big thing out of something that could actually be very simple I learned that um, I can I can develop the skill of just you know living the way that I know to live and letting that be enough which can which is not what do we say it's simple but it's not easy it's not as dramatic and exciting you know but it's much more substantive it's much more real yeah um the other thing about this living by example, you know, and it, it comes from what we just said about unity's fifth principle, and we have the saying in AA is living these principles in all our affairs. So for me, that means, you know, I can't just apply this stuff to one aspect of my life and then have other aspects of my life not be in alignment with that. And this is challenging and it takes time. It takes a lot of time. You know, it takes time to make big, sustainable changes in our lives. I know it's taken me a lot of time. But the goal is to have my life be in alignment so that my behavior is consistent across the board, whether I'm at church, whether I'm at an AA meeting, whether I'm with friends, whether I'm with neighbors, um, you know, especially as a minister, But even long before I became a minister, you know, we always talked a lot in my church about not going to church on Sunday and spouting a bunch of spiritual platitudes and then walking out of there and forgetting them all and behaving in a completely different way until the following Sunday. That's not what I want to be about. And that's not what will keep me sober. And so it's bringing all aspects of my life as fully as possible into alignment and having that integrity be the thread that runs through all of it. And that's tough. Like it says in our literature, that's a tall order. It's a tall order. It really is. And a lifelong practice. A lifelong practice. That's right. Like so many of these things. Well, hold that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. So please stay with us. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellich. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we will respond during the show to a listener question or comment. Now, be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, and please let us know what's on your mind. Well, prior to the break, we were discussing this phenomenon of self-promotion and what that looks like, and then we contrasted that with the idea of living more quietly, living by example, So, Dan, now that we know that the challenge we're trying to overcome is that tendency to self-promotion, and we know that the solution is living by example, how exactly does the, uh, I'm sorry, does living by example lead to that sort of quiet confidence that we'd like to live from rather than the self-promotion? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I have a great answer, but what always (laughs) comes to mind is, is, you know, slowly and over time, I know we say that a lot, but it's it has been incredibly important to me to remember, to realize and remember that this is not a race, this is not a competition, I'm not trying to achieve anything other than not taking a drink. That's the only achievement that I want to be concerned about. You know, where I am on my spiritual path is not what I want to be concerned about. You know, what certainly what you are doing or not doing is not what I want to be concerned about. Um, I just want to put one foot in front of the other, stay in the here and now and and try not to make a you know a whole, I don't know, set of accomplishments out of it a, as a rule. Um, living by example has helped me move from that self-promotion we were talking about, even though for me it might have been internal. To just more of a quiet or quietly confident way of living because, and this is a core principle for us in in unity, that turning within, as we say, you know, focusing on the storm that's within me uh, rather than the, you know, the expression of that storm without me, that supports my internal healing. And if I'm willing to undertake uh, a practice that supports my internal healing, if I'm willing to do that consistently over time, then slowly, you know, piece by piece, little by little, probably without me even realizing or noticing the degree to which it's happening, that healing is taking place. And so that right there, you know, walking a recovery path that by its very nature leads to healing, that is a way that uh, really living these principles helps me move into a, a way of experiencing the world that I might call a quiet confidence. Yeah. So I was thinking about how, you know, I, th- I talked about this a little bit before, that this kind of this overzealousness that happens to us in early recovery, I think it's very natural. We've experienced such a big change in our lives and we've found this thing that is working for us and we're so excited. We want to tell everyone about it and we want everyone else to adopt it as their way of life. And certainly if there are folks in our life who are still using, we want them to find it too, Right. So I think that can be a real temptation. And um, I just am grateful for things that I heard in the rooms from old timers, from wise folks, from my sponsor. 
you know, about just keeping in my own lane, just worrying about my own business. What other people are doing is none of my business. And like I said, some of these things were really, I hate to say they were a revelation for me. I was very used to living in that very external way, worrying about what everyone else was doing. And when I started hearing things like what other people think of you is none of your business, I mean, my jaw dropped. It's like, what are you talking about? Of yeah. course it's my business. Those things were, it was a very big shift in a w the way I saw things, you know, the way I approached life that needed to happen. And um, I think it took a long time. I think I'm probably still engaged in it. But so, what I want to say is that some of this, for me anyway, just came with time. I think what we're describing here when we're talking about moving from self-promotion or the need to let everyone know what we're doing to that quiet confidence and that living by example, we're talking about emotional and spiritual maturity, mm -hmm. right? And it has taken me a really long time to get to a place where I feel like I even have any of that, what we call emotional and spiritual maturity. It's a, It's been a growing up process for me, you know, of various ways that I was uh, developmentally or emotionally stunted and I needed to grow up, you know, worrying about what everyone else is doing or worrying about what everyone thinks of me, that's not very emotionally or spiritually mature. And so the extent to which I have overcome that is the extent that I have matured in those ways. And so some of it is just coming with time. That quiet confidence comes with time. Over time, I learned to worry less about what everyone thought about me. I learned to worry less about, you know, what everyone else was doing. And like you say, keep my eyes on my own yoga mat, keep myself in my own lane and, and develop that self-awareness. What's happening in me? What's happening in me? Not what is that person doing? What is it triggering in me? Why am I responding this way? Why am I upset? Why does that person bug me? So it's just bringing everything back to myself instead of what that other person is doing. What is it that's happening in me that I need to heal, that I need to look at? That's one of the great ironies, I think, of this uh, spiritual growth path is that we talk about wanting to move away from self-centeredness, but it's a different kind yeah. of focus on self. It's a kind of focus yeah. where we're taking responsibility for our own experience. Yeah. That is very, very different way of, of turning within than uh, that kind of self-centered where all I can see is my own way and everyone else is somehow in violation of my, you know, life principles and they just don't know how things work and they all, if they would just think like I did or do what I did, they'd be better off. You know, all that kind of uh, negative thinking that's uh, centered on self, it's ironic that in order to heal, we have to completely reapproach what's mm -hmm. going on within us. But the work is still within us. We talk about right. working to not be self-centered anymore doesn't mean that we no longer pay attention to what's going on within us. It means we realize that that is ours and that we own that and we creating that and we can change and heal that uh, over time, if we're willing to open up and do so. In fact, doing uh, my own healing work uh, shows me, and I would say, you know, it shows me how difficult it truly is. And that 
creates, I would say, the possibility for compassion. It doesn't automatically create compassion because I might do some very difficult inner work and then look around and judge other people if I think they haven't done the same work (laughs) yet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. But it doesn't have to do that. I can do some difficult inner work and I can realize how hard that truly is, recognize that it's that hard for everybody, and that can cr- help me create a space for compassion in my life and recognize that, yes, that this is difficult. And, and, and that you know, person I might perceive, have perceived as being annoying, I can now see as struggling and doing their own difficult inner work. And I can love and support them from a distance as they do it rather than criticize them for not living up to some, you know, standard that I made up for myself that actually has nothing to do with them at all. Yeah. Gosh. And, you know, I think you really hit the nail on the head that this is another, yet another one of these spiritual paradoxes or paradoxes or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's like, it's not all about me. But it is all about me, you know, so, but it's moving from one kind of all about me to another kind. So it's not all about me, meaning that the world doesn't revolve around me, but it is all about me, meaning that it is an internal job. It's an inside out job. I have to heal myself. And in order to heal myself, I have to really gain a whole heck of a lot of self-awareness, but I have to move from self-centeredness self-concern, self-obsession, that self-bondage they talk about in our literature, in the 12-step literature, to self-awareness. Self-awareness is not the same as self-centeredness. In fact, self-awareness can be very focused on how is my behavior affecting others. I need to look at myself and be aware of myself so that I can see how my behavior impacts others. So it is, it's a real paradox. Um, and then, yes, absolutely, the tendency towards spiritual hubris, you know, now I've figured it all out. Now, why aren't you doing the same thing? Or why aren't you <laughs> as wonderful as me? Why aren't you, you know, whatever it could be, it, it just comes down to comparing, comparing ourselves to others rather than just, you know, keeping ourselves in our own lane. I've got enough to deal with in my own lane without worrying about what you are doing in yours. And so, Like I say, it's taking the focus off of self, but it's at the same time, it's putting the focus on self just in a different way. It's it's a little complex. It is. It is complex. And and it's hard. I'm I'm glad I didn't have to try and wrap my head around that at first, partly because I was I would have been too self-centered to understand what you were talking about anyway and probably not really capable of doing it. But that's one of those things that develops over time. And what I've observed uh, on my own path is that things shifted uh, f- from being all about me to being all about us. Mm-hmm. And when things are all about us, yes, I matter. And so do you, right? So it's not that I've taken a giant cosmic eraser and I don't exist anymore. No. It's that I'm not the only thing that matters. I'm not the only thing that I'm focused on. Yes. I am focused on my own experience, hopefully taking, uh, you know, responsibility for it, uh, realizing that it can be shifted over time if I live by spiritual principle instead of just being kind of, um, you know, directed by it, 
uh, with no choice and and realize, well, this this whole experience we call life, this is all about us. And you matter also. And you have an inner world that is as varied and complex and as long-lived as mine. And you are as valuable a person as I am. And that just that shift. But like you're saying, yeah, it is weird how I still have to be very aware of what's going on within me. But I can be aware of what's going on within me in the context of recognizing that life is about us as a community, as a group, and, and as a world. It's not all about me. It's all about us. And yes, I matter, and so do you. It's yeah. not that I don't matter. I do matter, and so do you. Yes. Uh, you know, another one of those things that was a revelation to me was this idea that I don't know what's good for anyone else. <laughs> I barely know what's good for me, much less what's good for someone else. And that was a bit of a revelation for me, you know, that what other people are doing is none of my business. Again, I have plenty on my plate just worrying about what I'm doing. So here's what I think. I think that there is a human tendency to want to keep taking the heat off of ourselves all the time, right? Especially if we're undergoing deep self-examination. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. And so I might be starting to do some of this work and looking at some stuff and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, but what about that person over there? They're not doing it. They're not doing this work. They're not doing this right. They're not whatever, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. I'm trying to take the heat off of myself. I'm trying to take that focus off of myself because I'm uncomfortable with what's coming up. And it's a really natural human tendency and we just need to be aware of it. You know, it doesn't have to be judging ourselves. We can have compassion for ourselves. We can say inside our minds, oh, look, I'm doing that again. Look, I'm comparing myself to that other person. Look, I'm sitting here in this meeting thinking about how they're not doing this program right rather than thinking about myself and what I need to do. And just recognize that it's a, it's a coping mechanism. It's a strategy of taking the heat off of myself because the fire is getting too hot. And just being aware of that and going, okay, I'm doing it again. Eyes back on my own mat. Eyes back on my own mat. You know, and that is that quiet confidence. You know, quiet, being quietly confident that I have enough to manage with my own spiritual path. And I don't need to be managing yours as well. And I'm okay. That was my whole purpose in life and I suppose in a way it still is and perhaps it is for all of us I just want to feel okay in the yeah. world yeah. and I was doing the very best that I could to do that with what I had at the time right. and you know unfortunately but yet fortunately it led me down the road of addiction I say fortunately because you know, coming out of the other side of active addiction and moving into addiction recovery has been the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's not just because I'm not drinking anymore. It's right. way, way, way more than that. It's because we're, it's because I have a, a, a forum to address the underlying issues. You know, the behavior, yeah, at first, that's the whole thing. You, you know, you can't undertake a recovery program if you're not willing to, uh, you know, in, a, in my case, put down the bottle, as we say. That's step one. You can't sort of drink at home a little bit and think that uh, I can participate in a recovery program. I can't. Right. So at first, yes, it is all about the drinking or not drinking. But right. after a while, 
um, I realized that that was kind of the symptom of yes. some underlying issues. And then I was able to get enough distance from it that I, I wasn't obsessed with drinking or not drinking. Uh, I, I began to be able to see what's going on. And as all of this is happening, and it is, and it is very difficult, um, but the arc of it over time is that it's a healing path and that as I healed, I relaxed. I became able, just like you're saying, able to let go of what others were or were not doing. Mm -hmm. And by being able to let go of what others are or are not doing, I was able to relax uh, within yeah. myself. So that's one way that really living these principles has helped me move into what we're calling a quiet confidence because of the, of course, what I've been able to stop doing, you know, spend all that energy all wrapped up about if you're doing it right or not, and what's been, if not, and I feel unsafe, if I think you don't understand how things work and blah, 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 you know, all that um, self-centered fear facing outward and, and me thinking the problem here is you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which that thinking is itself. That's what the problem is. That's and that problem. thinking is within me. But when I can, when I can walk this path, when I can be in, in um, community with others who are doing the same over time, I can heal. And as I heal, I can begin to relax. And yes. that relaxation, that's the quiet part of the quiet yes. confidence. I mean, my mind has the possibility of being somewhat quiet from time to time when before I really don't think I ever had that possibility. Yes, I think you're absolutely right that the quiet confidence comes with healing this is a healing journey the more we heal the more we move out of that need to self-promote and more into that just quiet confidence which is such a better place self-promotion is exhausting you it know? is i mean i'm still quite good at it don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> you're the best that's probably why i'm worn i'm the best at being a self-promoter that's probably why i'm exhausted a lot of the time but no <laughs> Yeah, so and I was thinking another way that this looks for me is, um, and this is another thing that probably someone said to me or I heard in various forms in the room, in the rooms, is um, this idea of doing the right thing just because it's the right thing, not to be recognized for it. Again, sort of a revelation to me that we just do right behavior because it's right behavior, not for someone to congratulate us or slap us with a medal or hold us up, you know, and how wonderful we are. Um, again, I, I, it was a revelation for me that I didn't need to be recognized for things. In fact, it's so much more powerful when you aren't recognized for it, you know, but three on the Enneagram, I'm always looking for that recognition. And so, um, just doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing and trusting that when we live by example, it will be seen. It will be seen. I don't need to tell everyone about it. You know, I, I can't help. I think about Jesus and the Pharisees, you know, just talking about, you know, standing, you know, whatever the showmanship, the, yes, right. you know, um, I don't know. You could probably give me a verse or something, but, um, you know, just that idea that uh, we don't need External, to be external looking good on the outside. It's not looking what good it's on about. the outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
and that the the people that Jesus recognized were, you know, as having done this were folks who did it quietly. They didn't do it in a showy way. They didn't, you know, I'm just, I, the only thing that comes to me right now is the widow's might, you know, just this, the widow giving this tiny coin and Jesus saying that hers was the greater contribution, whereas others were making a big show of their donations and wanting people to see how much they were giving to the temple and, and that kind of thing. You know, it's that, oh gosh, it's, it's a tough one that not needing to be recognized for things. You know, I've heard I've heard of like a kind of a challenge where you have to do something good for someone but you can't let anyone know that you did it and you can't get any sort of um kickback from it. There can't be anything for you in it and just that doing for the sake of good. I I can't I know it's 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 simple and yet profound for someone like me. <laughs> It is like secret <laughs> service. Absolutely. You know, I'd, lo I'd love to share with you right now all the acts of secret service I did. But if I ever did that, uh, that completely defeats the purpose. You know, I don't I don't do a good thing so that I can get on Spirit of Recovery and talk about it. What a great thing that I did, because that's completely contrary. And I like to, what you're saying, referring to Jesus. You know, he's basically straight up saying, don't stand on the street corner and yeah. pray to show everyone how pious you are. Right. In fact, go pray somewhere where no one can see you. Go to a secret place and pray there because, you know, the... The, he used the phrase, the father, you know, right. God sees you doing that. Right. We would understand that, that, that spirit, that who we are, that's all we need. We don't need an audience, you know, that's external. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And I was also thinking as you shared, you're reminding me that as I take this, you know, as, as I choose to, to live the principle instead of sort of promoting my point of view or whatever, I have become able to ask that question, what is the next right thing for me to do? Not not what's the thing that's going to make me most comfortable, not what's the thing that's going to make me look the smartest or the best or whatever, but what's the next right thing to do in this case? And, you know, that word right thing, that's why that's such a, a question that we can ask over a lifetime as well. What do you mean by right? That's another one of those questions that it's probably better to sit in the question than to hurry to an answer. But let's change gears now because it's time to, uh, to turn our attention to a question or comment from you, our listeners. So here's a question that often comes up. It goes something like this. Hey, I'm doing my best to live by example, but it drives me crazy when I see people who are not doing that. What can I do? Well, mind my own business, stay in my lane, keep my eyes on my own yoga mat. You know, it's, it's, I think I've seen a saying or a meme or something about, you know, don't worry about what other people are doing. God will sort them out later. That has a little bit different meaning for us in unity. But the idea is that, you know, I don't want to say karma, but it's not my business what other people are doing. They're, they, they're, their consequences of their actions will pan out in their own lives, and that's none of my business. I have enough to deal with today just staying in my own lane and dealing with what is happening in my life. That is absolutely enough for me for today. You know, you used a phrase that I 
like that keep your eyes on your own yoga I mat. I said, I know, I, said, I, know. I love it. I stole it from, <laughs> from whoever the yoga teacher is that <laughs> told my wife about it. But um, I love it because it's just such a, it's kind of a modern yeah. and a, a little bit of a silly expression of such a, uh, a core principle in spiritual growth, which is exactly what you're talking about. Um, if, if I, if it's driving me crazy, what other people are doing and believe me from time to time, it drives me crazy what other people are doing. Um, <laughs> I can find that conflict within myself. If that, if that makes sense, yeah. I can, um, you know, again, in the words of Jesus, take the log out of my own eye and then I can see to take the splinter out of your eye. Now, that teaching I would also label as subversive because if I actually do take the log out of my eye, I am no longer seeing a splinter in yours. Or feeling you know, the, the verse says, yeah, the verse says, then I will be able to do it. I think the real truth is then I will no longer be concerned about yeah. doing it because I will have undergone a healing. And on the other side of that healing, you know, everything is different. Okay, so I'm going to take that saying and make it mine. I'm going to say, mind your own namaste. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my new one. Mind your own namaste. Well, we like to always offer you an affirmation. Unity loves their affirmations. And so we like to give you something that you can use to reinforce the concepts we've talked about today. And our affirmation today is, guided by spirit, I practice these principles in all my affairs. Amen. Well, it has happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we are grateful that you did. We hope that you found something in all of our yammering that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. Thank you again, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all of you who are listening to this podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever Listeners, if you'd like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, don't drink like my co-host. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.